मशीन लगाऊंगा इस साइड से आलू घुसेगा उस साइड से सोना निकलेगा Hello everyone welcome to this episode of the tension place podcast we are living in dangerous times in india and uh for the last few weeks i've seen that many people many people on my facebook timeline uh have lost people uh, have lost loved ones to covid and for those of us who thought including me that that india had been spared the worst of covid uh, it is it has been deflating disappointing and terrifying to be brought down to earth uh, to be shown that covid is something that we can never be safe from it is it is something that always lurks it is the epitome of what evil is it's difficult to do a show like this uh because you know what do you really say that, that that you haven't already heard on television and really is this this a time to even listen to analysis are we at that stage i don't know but whatever it is let's get on to the podcast obviously the topic for today is going to be the second or i don't know the third surge of covid in india just a personal note i was uh did not record last week's podcast because i had taken my second covid vaccine shot and i had some mild side effects it was just that the side effects were manifested that day because i had taken the shot on friday and saturday night is when i record this episode so i had a fever on saturday night but it was gone on sunday so i'm perfectly fine now but that was the reason why i could not record last week so rather than beginning with the standard the government has failed us and and we are at a we are at the end of times let's let's start with some some perspective let's look at where we were a year ago so i recall that when i had recorded my podcast about a year or so ago and this was when the lockdown had had been imposed i i read a number of reports and i was following social media where people were saying you know the perennial critics of the modi government were saying that this uh, lockdown is insane it is it is beyond it is beyond their understanding it is evil it is cruel and that it is not effective um the logic that was put forward was that nothing n- n- there was nothing no one was saved as a result of this uh insanely difficult lockdown and uh there were deaths and the government was just simply hiding the deaths the deaths were on a, on a scale that rivaled what was going on in italy then and it was all being hidden and and the point that i had made was that none of this made sense because death cannot be hidden in india um you could of course the covid numbers can be suppressed by just not testing the population but deaths just cannot be hidden because the hospitals will be overrun i said it at that point of time and my point has been proven by what we see now where we really do have a surge and now the hospitals are overrun by the dead and the dying so let's take again go back a year so the main thing that came out of that draconian lockdown was it was effective now did it have a human cost yes of course it did there is no denying that it had a human cost too and this is the this is the the difficulty i would say and i'm struggling with my english um but it, this is this is the challenge and challenge is perhaps to water down a word of being a ruler that you have to take a decision and you have to just choose the lesser of two evils 
and the lockdown was the lesser of the two evils because at that point of time when the virus was just new to india the lockdown was effective simply because it isolated the infected people at a time when the contagion was still controllable there was there was community spread but it still it still and and that's the thing about contagion that at some point of time it tips over before it tips over it seems benign but the moment it tips over things go south very fast and that's exactly what we are seeing in india today so that was a good decision a great decision in retrospect no matter how savage the attack by the opposition was at that point of time and by certain compromise sections of the media the very fact that we did not go down the line of italy or later new york and los angeles that that was because of the lockdown now there were some others who said well, the lockdown didn't help because indians in any case won't fall sick because indians are somehow special and this was i don't know if it's a, it's a terrible backhand compliment but essentially what what we would be i don't even it was it was not a compliment of course it was saying that you know indians are so inured to pollution and to deadly pathogens in the air and water that you know covid just bounces off them and that's the reason why you know, nothing happened it got nothing to do with modi now none of this made sense because you know the same indians like you know people like us who spent like 25 years of their lives in india essentially when their body was being made being surrounded by you know that kind of quote and quote that kind of the shadow of death rather you know that wouldn't have protected us at all in any country that we were it's not that we were inherently made uh, invulnerable to pathogens that's not true and we can see that now we can see that there is no special uh, god given or politician given uh, immunity that we as indians had just by the fact that we live in quote and quote a country where there is a lot of pollution and there are a lot of viruses and and, and we and, and you know this is just another contributory factor and we we wouldn't be affected so none of this was actually true because none of this was backed by science it was just things which were put forward to not accept the fact that the lockdown was a good decision that that was the only thing that saved india last year now having said having said that it was a good decision it was a good decision it would have been a great decision if that had been backed by persistent planning the lockdown was never going to be a solution again i had hoped that it was going to be a solution that somehow we had dodged the bullet but that was also not science that was wishful thinking good thing is i'm not the person who's making public health decisions but the fact that we dodged the bullet because of a good decision that we took just made the entire country including the central government complacent and as i had written in my piece in the times of india while governments distinguish between people on the basis of caste creed cash and they're lazy and they're banal and sometimes they're evil the great thing about viruses is they're very simple um they work to improve themselves all the time of course it i mean that's a bit of it's you know it's not exactly true because of the mechanism by which mutations happen when viruses copy their genetic code they basically make typos some of these typos have no effect some of these typos actually kill the viruses and some of these typos actually make them better at what they do and then darwin takes over and the dominant virus strain then dominates and the weaker strain just gradually dies out it's eaten up by the darwinian traits of the mutated virus again there's this is nothing new nothing novel about the sars-cov-2 this is the way most viruses operate now while this was going on this is this is science this is what 
we should have been preparing for. But we weren't. We had one year. And, and again, this is where this is where the anger and the sadness comes from. Initially, when let's say Italy was hit or New York was hit, one could always say that this is this was an act of God. There was really nothing that people could do. Again, we could say that people could have been better prepared. The, the countries like, you know, uh, first world countries, quote unquote, should have done better. And that is obviously true. But there was also the thing that, again, nobody thinks of a virus that, that is so deadly and that can spread like this. This is not something which, I mean, you definitely should plan for, but do people really plan for this? No, they don't. So at least initially there was the aspect of surprise. And that's where I think India did much better than other countries in the sense that it took the right decision the first time. While many other countries didn't, they took the wrong decisions, but at least they could they could rationalize their wrong decisions by saying that we, there was no rule book. We were just making it up as we went along. We had no infrastructure and we we're just essentially trying to buy time. Well, India was able to buy time. They bought themselves a good year of time by that draconian lockdown. But during that time, while the virus mutated, the Indian government, both the, both the BJP government at the center and the state governments, including BJP and non-BJP, they really did not do as much as they should have done. And now let's take an example. Now, 162 oxygen. So as, as again, I expect that our, our listeners know that we are in the middle of an oxygen crisis. So I'm not, I'm not going to get into the details of that. I think all of us know where we are, it's not just a question of people dying from COVID, is that many people who shouldn't have died from COVID, who would have recovered if they if they had a few days supply of oxygen are currently dying. These are these are needless deaths. These are not, I mean these are ultimately because of COVID, but they are preventable deaths. Some deaths from COVID are honestly not preventable. If you get it and you have certain conditions or if you are just plain and simple unlucky, then unfortunately that's where the disease will take you. But this is not that. There is something which is very simple, which can be done. And there are very few deaths that are more painful than not getting oxygen because it's not a fast end. It is a slow end. It is, it is, I just don't want to go into it, but let's just say you wouldn't wish this on your worst enemy. So, according to what we know now, 162 plants had been sanctioned under the PM Cares Fund for a total cost of 202 crores across the country in around the month of October, because at least there was some, again, it's not that the public, it's not, this was, not that this was well known among the public, and thanks, again, I don't know whether that's a good or a bad thing, but at least somebody was doing some due diligence in terms of understanding that we did need to set up oxygen plants and that we could be under a, set, a, a much more severe wave. Now with the 202 crores, the central government was just going to pay for the installation of the plants. And you know, some of the, some of the memes that have been circulating was that, you know, what were Kejriwal and Kejriwal got eight, eight, eight of them and he installed only one I think similarly, uh, Udav Thakre. So again, of course, this these are being circulated by the BJP IT cell at this point of time. But the, the wider problem again is there's something which is missing over there, is that while the government is paying for the installation of the plants, the centralized pipeline that's supposed to deliver the oxygen has to be set up and paid for by the hospitals. So somebody has to also pick up the bill from that end. So what the uh, Union Joint Secretary of Health told the Delhi High Court in January and February, COVID cases came down, so work slowed down. So there was no commercial reason on the part of hospitals to pay for their part 
of the installation of the plant. So the Kejriwals of the world can actually point legitimately to saying that, no, we're not essentially being lazy. There's a little bit more to it. It's just that there was also a, some a contribution had to be made by the hospitals. And they also needed to buy into this decision. And this is, again, the problem with, and this is a problem that was faced by the US too. This is a problem with for-profit healthcare systems. That they are run like corporations. So that means that they are essentially greedy in the short term. So if they felt that we were not going to have a second wave of COVID, a third wave of COVID, then why should we spend money uh, to invest in a centralized pipeline for oxygen? Why would we do that? That would cut into our profits. So again, there's enough blame to go around here. There's enough blame to go around and, 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 and there's a lot of, in, 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 so it's, it's not just a question of, it's, it's, it's a failure of the system, but the blame needs to be shared between the central government, the state government, and the private hospitals. They all are to blame. And again, for something which is run by profit, I don't blame them as much. I mean, that's the reason why Contrary to what libertarians believe, not everything can be given to the, to the private market. Not everything can be worked out with a profit motive. That's why you need government to be an investor in certain sectors, and healthcare is one of them. Which brings me to the third thing that I have, you know, the, the, the political tug of war, the, the blaming between the state and the center, because ultimately you can obviously always say that the healthcare is the state's responsibility, it's not the center's. This was exactly the same logic used by Donald Trump, by the way, when the different states in the US were struggling. And they were actually bidding against each other to get vaccines, so driving up the vaccine price, um, where it was very clear that it's the center the federal government in the US that needed to step in and needed to coordinate this. But Trump being Trump just basically washed his hands off and started playing golf. In India, of course, it's not that the reaction of Modi has been that bad, but it is, I would say, it is still the responsibility of the center. Now, healthcare is truly, constitutionally is a responsibility of the state. But when something like the COVID epidemic happens, there's no difference between this and war. This is war. It's just not a war against a certain country. It's a war against an invisible pathogen. So states cannot be expected to deal with something of this scale, given the way you know, bodies pile up, given the spikes. This is not something which any state can be expected to handle on their own. They just can't. There needs to be cross-state cooperation and coordination in order to solve this kind of a problem. And again, one of the things that the Biden government has done after coming to power was that they solved in a very quick time this, this distribution of vaccines. It actually went better, much better. So there is there's no doubt, much as I don't like Biden and many of his policy decisions, including the decision to withhold essential supplies to India for them to manufacture their vaccines, which just goes to show, by the way, that all this talk about equity and everything is all a bunch of crock by progressives. You know, when push comes to shove, they're, they're no different than Trump. It's our stuff. We won't let it go. And I, I know I'm diverting from the point that I was trying to make, but just say, say it now so that, so that I don't forget it later. But it's, it's I, I saw this tweet by Rashida Tlaib that, you know, the, the government should allow for the you know, drug companies. They should just take the drug company's IP and just make it open source and let, you know, just make ev let everybody make it in the world. And my response to it was, no, that's not what we want from the U.S. government. We just want the U.S. government to allow us to get the raw materials for our own vaccine, which we already have a license for, and which our suppliers are contractually obligated to provide. That's all we're asking for. We're not asking for charity. We're just asking for you to allow our suppliers in the U.S. to be able to meet their contractual obligations. That's all. This is not a favor. We're asking. And that's where the U.S. is saying, you know what? It's America first. While at the same point of time, talking about equity. And 
this is also terrible science. This is this is short sighted. This is this is short sighted in terms of science too. Because if the U.S. lets this virus go out of control in India, nothing's going to prevent. This just means the more number of times it replicates, the more the chances for mutations, the more the chances for vaccine breaking mutations to develop. And at that point of time. America is not going to be safe anymore. Right now, America has, and the reason why I'm saying this is because based on news reports here, America is now, all is, is there's a high amount of, high proportion of the population have already been vaccinated. The vaccine crisis of January, February is gone. There's a lot of vaccine in all the states. And the people who are, who are not getting vaccinated now, so in some states, the vaccine rate is falling, is because they don't want to get vaccinated. They're, they're uh, you know, anti-vax people. So America has kind of go, reached a saturation point of the people who are going to get vaccinated. So it's not that America actually needs the raw materials right now. So by taking this short-sighted America first perspective on the problem, which is also not backed by science, Biden and Harris, you know, essentially through, you know, essentially show how, how, how hypocritical they are when it comes to talk about equity. And when they try to contrast themselves against the parochial patriotism of Trump, they're no different when it comes to a country like India. Anyways, the coming back to the point about the state versus center, I, I, I believe it's the center's problem. It is primarily the center's problem. The failing has been primarily at the center. Yes, the states have failed too, but this is the center's responsibility. Oh, this is war and the response to war is squarely the responsibility of the center. Let's take an example of oxygen. So right now the oxygen daily production according to Mint is about 7,000 so 7, and around 7,000 tons of oxygen is what India can produce every day. That's the daily production capacity. Now, right now, the demand is about 6,800 tons of liquid oxygen per day. So that's the, that's the kind of demand. So we still have, we, we're still not at 100%. Now, in order for you to understand where the problem is, a few weeks ago, on April 12th, we were essentially consuming 3,800 tons. So from 3,800 tons, we've gone to 6,800 tons in a week. We're still at, we still have enough oxygen to cover everybody, but at this rate of growth, you don't need to love maths to know that we are not going to have the total amount of oxygen to cover everybody. We can, but let's just look at what it is today. So today we have, it's not a question also that we don't have enough oxygen. We do have enough oxygen and yet people are dying of not being able to breathe. In Delhi, one of the most, in Delhi and, and, and in Mumbai, some of the most privileged cities of India, two of the most privileged cities in India. So this is, these are not the backwaters of India. This, this is the best place to be in India. If you if they're, they're, they're very well served by hospitals, government hospitals, private hospitals. And yet the problem is not so much the production of oxygen, but the transport of oxygen. Now, the first thing is the oxygen cannot be transported easily because it is not transported as gas because it's just not efficient because, you know, gas occupies so much space. So it's, so it's transported in liquid form, which is a hazardous material. So it just you can't just pop it in into a truck and just send it off. So the problem essentially is one of logistics. Is the fact that the oxygen, we have the total amount of oxygen, we need to distribute it to those that need it, when they need it, in the quantity that they need it. And that's a difficult, difficult problem. It's really the problem that wall that makes Walmart so great because they have a great solution to it. And that's that's why they make so much profit. It's not anything else. The secret sauce that they have is they have a very good logistics model, which allows them to sell prices, sell things at, a at prices that are lower than their competitors while making a handsome profit. It's because they know they have the data to be able to anticipate demand, to make sure that things reach places before 
the demand reaches its peak curve. So you don't have to go to a store and find the shelves empty. And then you'll go to another store. So they don't, they don't let you do that. So this is the level of, and again, this is not, a, this is not an easy problem. And that's why the Indian government hasn't been able to solve it. But it's not that this problem cannot be solved. One expects that in the year that they got, by through that, through the draconian lockdown process, this is the time when it's not just a question of shoring up, we need more tanks of oxygen. It's also the other problem of distribution of oxygen that was not covered. That's the biggest shortcoming. Somebody would say, but the Indian government did provide money to make oxygen, but that's a small part of the problem. That problem has yet to hit us, by the way, because we still have enough oxygen to cover everybody in this country. But you can see even that doesn't, not saving people because the most vital, the, the most vital thing about the, the whole problem, which is the, which is the logistics of it, that hasn't been solved. And that's been the most frustrating thing for uh, those who are suffering from COVID is that the lack of not just the fact that the oxygen isn't in the hospital at the right point of time, but that nobody has any information. There is no data. People are rushing from one hospital to another and they're being turned away. When they leave the house, they don't know where they should go, where they, where they shouldn't go. So if there is a hospital which just is not admitting patients, then at least the patient should know when they leave the house so that they don't waste their time there. And time is of essence here. People have, once, once the oxygen saturation level starts dropping below 95, there's not a lot of time left before they need again. Just because the oxygen saturation level has dropped below 95 does not mean a death sentence at all. Most people walk away from that. That's the, that's the symptom of the virus. All they need is to get over the next few days, that's all. And we have much better care protocols in place now than we had a year ago, where people were just willy-nilly using ventilators on people, even when, and, and it took some time for doctors to figure out that many of the deaths that happened in COVID were essentially because of putting patients on ventilators. People whose, whose organs, especially for older adults, who, who just couldn't support the physical load of a ventilator because it's a very, very invasive, it's a very invasive thing. It's you know, a pipe up your nostril and it, it and then the amount of air that's going in, you know, some people's insides just, just could not take that stress, the physical stress of that. And they, they didn't, and, and as people realized that it wasn't necessary for everybody to be on a ventilator. Uh, using a sleep apnea machine, like a bicap machine or a PCAP machine with, 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 with oxygen attached to it would, would just, just as well have sufficed. But the problem right now is that even though we know all of this, we just don't have the oxygen. But coming back to, again, to the, to, to the point that um, there is no data going around. So the data that we see people are circulating on social media, the data is bad, often outdated. People keep on obsessively retweeting data that's no longer right, creating to the confusion and essentially losing, people losing time working on, on wrong data. So this, there's no reason why this last year we couldn't have put into place a kind of system at, and this should definitely have been driven by the central government of essentially inventorying different hospitals. Again, this is a state, federal government collaboration. This is why, and I will come to that, why it's so essential for leaders to keep political disagreements civil. There is opposition, yes, but there's also the, 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 one of the things that has happened because of social media is that politicians feel the need to be as divisive as possible. And in terms of crisis like this, Politicians find that they're just not able to work together because of the stuff they have said about each other. They have 
painted themselves into a spot where there is no real room for cooperation anymore. It's a personal hatred and mistrust of each other. And this was, again, this is, this is purely a consequence of the social media era, where people need, have an obsessive desire to grandstand to, their, to the most obsessive parts of their base. This was not the case 20 to 30 years ago, where there was still a democracy and people opposed each other, but it was not at this level of, it was not the kind of personal diatribes that, for instance, Mamata Banerjee or Kejriwal would hurl at, what would, would hurl at Modi. Anyways, so there were, there's, there's a lot of blame to be thrown around here. And the principal blame is not planning ahead. And the hospitals also have to take the blame for not, for not planning ahead. Um, the hospital administration, not so much the doctors who are, who are being heroic, but the hospital administrators, the people who are responsible for profit and loss, I'm talking about them. So then the central government and the state government, and in, in terms of making sure that the infrastructure was in place, again, I'm not saying these are easy things to do, but I'm also not saying that these are not unsolvable things. There are, there are companies like Walmart and many other companies, Amazon, who have solved this problem. So, you know, it, it's not that we in India don't have money. Just hire consultants and, and just solve the problem. Of, of getting oxygen. And there's not a lot of things. You know, COVID is not a very clinically complicated thing. It's just get a few things done. And so it was not an inherently a very, you know, it's not something like war where people are coming with different kinds of injury and they have different requirements. It's a fairly, fairly standardized care that people require when they get, when they need to be hospitalized in COVID. And it's, it's now very well understood what is what is a cytokine storm that's happening. What are the, what are the medications against the cytokine storm? What are the secondary causes why you know people die from COVID? People understand it. This is not like what happened in April or March of last year, where a lot of this was not known. So again, all that the country now needs is good data, so that the patients and the good data is needed not just for the logistics, of course, the logistics need to operate on good data, but also patients. So the, the needs to be the data needs to be made available not just to those in charge of the logistics, but also to patients. And one of the one of the reasons why there is so much frustration among everybody is just the sheer confusion. And that is where they feel that the government has abandoned them. In the Indian citizenry, I'd you know, they're the least demanding citizens of the world, I would say. You know, they really don't expect much from the government. And it's especially in, in terms of crisis. Most Indians are pragmatic enough to know, look, the government can't solve all our problems. But at least what the Indian citizenry expect, and that's, that's, and that's the least, that, they, that you at least give them the truth, that you give them the data, that if there are a number of hospitals which are just not accepting patients and they're out of oxygen, and not everybody's on social media, you know, picking up, I mean, they can't, I mean, they have a patient, they're not going to be on Twitter, say, you know, looking at which hospital is saying what on Twitter. So there needs to be a single app, because everybody has a smartphone, which just says, you know, these hospitals are all out of oxygen. Or, you know, this is the amount of oxygen that we can accommodate. You have the number of ICU beds. Most people that I have talked to personally, that has been the single largest thing. And, and we have reached a stage where virtually everybody who's in India knows somebody who's, who's gone to hospital on COVID at this point of time. Unfortunately, I know many people who have lost people in the last two or three weeks. And there are no more people who've definitely had to pay a visit to the hospital. And, and the biggest complaint is that there's absolute pandemonium, absolute confusion. And some people are saying, maybe we shouldn't even have gone to the hospital. And that's, 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 that's their frustration speaking, because they're actually not getting the data. They're not getting the data. They're going from hospitals and they're being refused. They're driving across state lines sometimes to get care. And this is something which was avoidable, I would say. Another thing that, you know, I was looking at the television program, and of course, the standard, you know, it's not the first time we're hearing this, is that hospitals are just refusing to accept patients. That it's not just sometimes, it's not just um, 
based on their availability, but it's also cost. They're demanding exorbitant amounts of money up front in order to admit people, and they're just lacks of rupees, and it's not people just don't have it. Most people are not privileged to have that amount of money lying around. And you know, they're, they're going there, maybe their chief <clears throat> earner is the person who's who has COVID. They don't even know where the money is. And they, people have a few hours at that point of time and hospitals are just not admitting them at that point of time. That's that I, you know, some, some television channels are, sh- are showing that. And again, this comes to one of the first episodes of the po- Attention Please podcast that I did, which was on the Aadhaar card. And I said, this this opposition, the, the, this is something which would not happen in the US. See, this is the only thing perhaps where I would say that the US care system is arguably better. Nobody is refused, even though they will bankrupt you in a few weeks later with the bills. That's true. Care in the US is exorbitant. It's not like in India. But the thing in US is legally they cannot ask you to pay before you get care. That they cannot do. And they cannot do that because why can't, can't they do that? And why have they agreed to that? They have agreed to that because everybody has a social security number. So everybody knows who to bill and who to pursue and credit histories. So there are countermeasures. So when a person walks out you know, with a discharge certificate, a hospital in India has no way of being able to trace that person down. Now with an Aadhaar card and, and, and these things that you would hope that that's that would provide that level of accountability so that you can actually build somebody. This is the reason why, because if you don't have this, not everybody has that, then you're going to be faced with this kind of a situation where hospitals are going to try to cover their cost and their profits before they take the person in when they know that that person is willing to pay, which is inhuman, but that's the way things have always been in India. And now when you have a war crisis like this, the problem is merely exacerbated. It was another thing that, you know, when I was just, I saw that oxygen cylinders are coming and, you know, they're coming from Ambani and Adani is transporting some from Saudi Arabia, the Tatas, and just wondering that, you know, there's, there's there's a section of woke social media, which uses, industrialists as they're punching bags, as if they're responsible for everything. But when something bad happens, you know, they do step up. They do step up. And it's not the Congress party which is doing anything. It's these people who are doing something. Now you can say they should do more, whatever it is, but at least they're doing something. Which brings us to the whole controversy about vaccine pricing. So, you see, I don't belong. See, this is Normally, I would say that you know this is this is a difficult problem to you know because first of all, the central government and and will definitely get things at lower prices because they are buying in bulk. That's true for anything. Now in the U.S., it was a little different because the government, the U.S. federal government, in, invested in the development of these vaccines. Now Pfizer did not take that investment precisely because they didn't want. They, they were fairly confident that they were going to produce a vaccine that was going to be good. But the fact is that the U.S., for everybody else, they provided that initial upfront investment, basically de-risking um, the vaccine development efforts. So they could legitimately say, and they got the reduced rates because of that. It's because they were investors in this. Now, even then, Pfizer sells it at reduced price to the U.S. federal government. And again, this was where the Trump government dropped the ball. And that was where people were shouting that, you know, they should not let states. And this was the exact same problem we saw in state, but it was not true for states. So states had to bid for these vaccine supplies. And this was pushing up costs. And the bigger states, the more, the, the or I would say the more well-off states like New York, were basically shoving out the poorer states in America. So there's a school of thought which says, you know, how dare these vaccine companies 
sell don't sell these things at cost it's it's basically the variation of the doctors nefis mangi hai argument and 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 though it seems and 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 i get that point you know how can somebody profit of this and 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 why shouldn't people why should you know serum institute or bharat biotech or anybody profit of something like this but the fact is we don't live in an ideal world we don't live in an ideal moral world so the fact that we have a vaccine and so many vaccines within a year where it took 7 to 10 years for vaccines to be developed before this tells you something this didn't happen from the goodness of so many people's hearts now people are individually might be good but institutions never really are so the fact is that the reason why we have so many vaccines the reason why in 2021 despite the hell that has broken loose we still have more hope than we had in 2020 is because some people worked their butts off because of the profit motive that's really why they did it they didn't go do it from the goodness of their heart bless their souls there might be some good people there but that doesn't mean that the institutions did same things on the goodness of their heart and neither did the serum institute neither did bharat biotech so everybody is out to make profit and everybody is out to make good amount of profit so nobody's going to nobody should be expected to sell at cost i mean they didn't make the problem there was a problem they solved it they solved it in record time um they solved it with a level of epic efficacy that has never been seen hitherto in vaccines so they have a good product out there so why shouldn't they expect to make money out of it and of course they're going to supply things different customers get different rates yeah I, i'm sorry but that's the way business works if you buy things in bulk you get it at a reduced per unit price if you have invested in something when you have if you've been if you've invested in something in order and you've de-risked the manufacturer of something yes then you expect a payout and that payout at the end is getting the thing cheap so none of these things are fundamentally unethical or particularly innovative either the last thing that i wanted to talk about again was that you know what can we do as individuals so the first thing is we need to mask you know it's 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 been well proven you know double masking it's not single masking it's double masking so again the reason why you want to do double masking is um for various reasons first of all a single mask is to protect others from you a double mask provides you with some amount of protection it's not just the two layers of it's and that's that's a part of it but the fact is the outer mask keeps the inner mask in place so even if the outer mask shifts the inner mask adds as that defense in depth which is which is why double masking is provably better than single masking and when i say mask of course in india the the, the shocking thing in a way everybody has seen this you know the people wear their masks below their chin or with the nose out even over here in the us i've and then again i i i would love like to say that in the us this is one thing which i have observed is that there are the anti maskers who don't wear masks there are very few in number but anybody who wears the mask they wear it properly I mean, there may be one or isolated one or two examples where somebody has their nose out. But usually, when I go to the grocery stores for the last year, people pretty much wear the masks the right way, as opposed to in India, where pretty much everybody wears it the wrong way. For those who even deign to wear it, so again, this is this cannot be stressed enough that the only way to bring this under control is to prevent the vac- virus from spreading it's nothing it, it it's simple really but it's not it doesn't that's not just because it's simple doesn't mean that it's not difficult so that's one thing the second thing is vaccinate the data is overwhelming vaccines even in the face of variants they keep you out of hospital and they keep you out of the morgue there is there should be no wait and watch here vaccines in real life the, the data that has been collected for all the vaccines the data the efficacy is even better than what was observed clinically during the clinical trials so the vaccines again 
there will be people. So again, there are reports, and some of these reports are so unfortunately phrased. Some of them don't tell the full story, and these people in the media they do so much harm by by this kind of bad coverage, bad science. And it's okay to have bad science during normal times, but now nowadays it's, it's nothing short of criminal. Is the kind of things, and then they of course land up on WhatsApp that you know so many doctors got infected after they had taken, uh, you know, after they had taken two doses of vaccine. Well, first of all, a doctor who's actually working in such an environment is exposed to a very very high viral load. That so basically that person is surrounded by coronavirus. That's not the normal. Um, even when somebody goes out into the streets or is sitting in an office, that's not really the normal level of exposure that anybody has. So that's point number one. Point number two is the important thing is that none of these people had to be hospitalized or had to, or none of them died. And that's the important thing that people who are vaccinated are, again, they, the CDC came out with the data. It's not that nobody has died. But the proportion of people who have died after getting the vaccine is 0.0001 or something, which is ridiculous. It's almost at the, you know, it's 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 the basically the probability of you getting hit by lightning. So, again, anything there's no nothing hundred percent sure in this world. I mean, I could get out today, and I could die in a car accident while while going to the grocery store. So, any action that you have carries with it a certain finite risk of an adverse outcome. There is no zero risk thing that you do. Every breath that you take, even the option of not going out is, is also carries with it a certain amount of risk if the, vac if the virus is already in your house, really. So uh, the point is everything carries with it a certain amount of risk. And right now, if you are vaccinated, the risk of you dying from, the, uh, from, from COVID is is very, very, very minimal. So do they have side effects? None whatsoever in terms of, I mean, there's the whatever was reported for Johnson & Johnson. These are, again, minuscule, on the margin, little things, which are, again, as I said, which, yes, they happen. What are your chances? You know, for the guy who got it, yeah, sure, I understand, you know, but your chances as an individual, and that's the way probability works, is far, far, far higher if you don't have the COVID vaccine, even the probability of developing blood clots. So definitely get the vaccine if you're eligible for it. That's So masking and getting vaccinated are the two most important things that you can do in order to keep yourself out of the hospital. The third thing is don't create panic for remdesivir. I've been watching television coverage and there seems, and while I totally understand the run on oxygen, I struggle to understand the run on remdesivir. So remdesivir is a drug that has not been proven to be clinically efficacious in preventing death for COVID. So it is not a drug for COVID. There are very specific special circumstances where where it can be administered under doctor supervision and it might provide a shortening of some of the symptoms. So you might recover a few days quicker from, uh, that's the best you can say about remdesivir. However, the general understanding of people is that remdesivir is the drug for COVID. And that's why there is a mad rush for remdesivir. And the unfortunate thing, besides the fact that, you know, drugstores are price gouging and are making insane profits, the other thing is for the real people who really need remdesivir, they're not getting it. And for those of you who don't need it, but just have the money to shell out or are lucky to get it, they're getting it and they're not, nothing really is happening to them because it is not an approved drug for COVID in terms of reducing death. And so there was, so that's, that's, and many doctors on television have come and said this. So please, please be judicious and in, in, in procuring remdesivir and do not take it away from people who actually need it. 
So I, I saw many doctors saying that there are some limited situations where doctors may choose to use it, but they, even the doctors are saying that you know most of their patients think that this is the cure for corona. And that is absolutely not true because not only are you creating a, a run on remdesivir and depriving those who actually need it, you're also setting yourself up for disappointment and anger at the doctor when, when let's say it doesn't work out. And you say, well, I did everything. I got remdesivir. There must have been something in the drug or whatever, but that's not true. The next thing is, this is the time when we need to work together as a country. And I know this, this seems to be kind of trite to say this, but you know, it's fine to be divisive otherwise, but this is a time when we all need to get together. And this is what I said about politicians too, that one of the problems that somebody like Kejriwal and Mamata Banerjee is going to face, and this is something which Naveen Patnaik is not going to face, is that even though these all of them are opposition leaders, a few of them have definitely burnt way more bridges than Naveen Patnaik. So Naveen Patnaik, you'll find, will normally get the stuff he wants from the center, and these people won't. And they will find they will, they will find conspiracies everywhere. And they will they will do you know really shitty things like you know streaming something without somebody's permission, and they will keep on doing this because ultimately it's just the attitude of a few leaders who are who I, I hesitate to call them leaders, but this is the kind of time when you expect people, and you know that's why Naveen Patnaik to me is one of the best chief ministers in India, if not the best, because he understands that he understands what leading is, and. He, he, he can oppose the BJP. He's obviously not part of the BJP government, but he knows that there are also times when he, when he has to work with the center. And this is the time when the kind of shenanigans engaged by Kejriwal is just distracting and just disrespectful of, and, and what is he trying to say? He's trying to wash his hands off this sorry mess. He's as much responsible as Modi and Amit Shah is for this. And so it's very, very important that rather than pointing fingers at each other, given that every second there is somebody who is gasping for breath, it's imperative at this point of time, at a time of war, that different organs of the state work together, not because they like each other, I don't expect them to like each other, but that they are working together in a, for a far greater cause. If that cause just be the saving of their own skin, that's fine. But this is the time when they have to work together. You have to unite on in unity. And, then, and, and the flip side is that we, it's a responsibility on people too. Don't engage in what about you. Don't say, what about Kummela crowds? You know, you, you don't have a problem when farmers do it. There's, there's some people who are, who are justifying Kummela. You know, it did start. Shavan Rathor of... Nadeem Shravan, who died of COVID, caught it there. So it's not that nothing happened. So whenever you bring that up, you'll have sections of the social media saying, well, what about the farmers' protest? You've had no problems with that. No, that doesn't make it any different. The, the virus really doesn't care about the legitimacy of the farmers' demand or the holiness of Kummela. They, 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 it's, it's, it's very secular that way. Very secular, very apolitical in that way. So just one bad act does not make the other one better. And so the other side also engages in it. They say, well, what about what, about what the tablikis did? What was so wrong about it then if, if, if Hindus are doing it? But that doesn't make it any the less better what the tablikis did. It just goes to show that both of them are equally complicit. So, so again, this, this act of whataboutry, what it does, besides, of course, the disunity that it causes in such troubled times, is that it provides people a justification for engaging in unsafe behavior. It's like, why should I wear a mask? Eh, you, you go to the single border, nobody's wearing a mask. Yeah, this is all BS. All of this is just BS. And it's not true. And I see election rallies. Even today, I was seeing election rallies in Bengal. And I can see these politicians walking. There's not a single mask to be seen anywhere. And... I, I, I got a reply in a tweet when I had criticized the, the, the government, of course, I was that, how can you say that elections should be stopped? It's not that there's a surge in Bengal. Well, dude, did you, you 
absolutely didn't respond to the tweet because you know it was not worth my time but to you know is, is this do, do, do you know how viruses propagate you know is there a, you know it just <laughs> the, the people from delhi they do move to calcutta so in fact and that's exactly what happens when something like this when a virus like this explodes when it reaches a tipping point and if you read the works of malcolm gladwell they're very well explained as to the notion of virality how it works it comes from a fundamental understanding of way a geomet of geometric progression what what exponential growth means at that point of time there is no there is no covid in bengal of course covid in bengal is shot up now now i have people in my family and friends in in calcutta are saying that you know situation is getting really bad and the real hit hasn't even started there so yes it takes time for the wave to go and we haven't we have nowhere we haven't even seen the worst in terms of deaths because deaths always trail peaks of covid infections by a week or so which is the time it takes for people who are infected to go to death usually so just the fact that something is happening in delhi means that everything is fine in bengal is just is just it's so ridiculous and one would hope that but that's exactly what you know being blindly supportive of one political party or one ideology does to you it just makes you dumb when you don't even understand this is true for you know people who support trump this is for true for people who support kejriwal or the bjp or mamata banerji that just the, this obsessive desire to make ensure that the person that they believe in is 100% right 100% of the time this 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 makes them do the kind of intellectual gymnastics which maybe they don't realize it but it looks really funny and really sad for people on the outside to see otherwise rational people going through these you know this huge lengths to justify something with this where occam's razor says there's a very simple solution your leader took the wrong decision it's a simple thing accept it that doesn't necessarily mean that you are and this is again what what a polarized social media has brought about the fact that if you adhere to a political party or if you like a politician that you are kind of obliged to support 100% of what they do you cannot do that and if there's anything which has come out of this covid crisis is that really there's 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 nobody who's any better than the other the only difference might only only exception could be congress because they're not in power pretty much anywhere so they can obviously take the high road in the same way that i can take the high road but other than that there is enough blame to go around among all politicians and nobody is blameless and again it is it is a failure of the system at the state at the center and also with respect to healthcare delivery organizations everybody should have should have predicted that this was going to happen they should have invested in something knowing the criticality of what even if they felt that it was not likely to happen even if they felt that oh we would perhaps you know maybe this third wave won't happen and we will all spend you know crores of rupees creating this in you know, oxygen network and then we will never need it and now we will have to uh, answer to our investors why did we do it which is exactly unfortunate this is what happens when the bad thing doesn't happen is that then people ask for accountability that well, the bad thing didn't happen so obviously you got it wrong which is exactly what happened with the with the lockdown when the lockdown brought about uh a rather muted uh spread of covid the response for many wasn't that oh wow you did something good it was well, all of this for this there was there was no problem in the first place apparently but now we know that's not true there was a problem and indians are as susceptible to covid as anybody else our pollution our hardness or our our robustness against pathogens does not provide us any protection because there was never any science to back that up by the way 
doesn't back doesn't protect us we are as exposed as anybody else in the world the covid vax the covid virus has definitely upped its game and become more infectious and we don't have we did we didn't spend this time the, for the last year creating the infrastructure that would have led us that would have helped us to prevent some of the deaths i'm not saying that all of it could have been prevented covid will lead unfortunately to some terminal cases but a lot of people would have walked out shaken sick terrible but still alive if we just had the beds and the oxygen available and that's to me is is the tragedy we have reached we have reached beyond the fact where we think of a world in which there was no covid covid is very much now a part of the existence in 2021 for those of us alive covid is now a fact of life it is as real and it's always going to be here like any other disease like cancer or heart attack or diabetes it's here it's here to stay forever and the best thing we can do in any kind of chronic disease is we first wish the first stage of grief is denial we hope that it will go away as trump hoped that it would go away in the summer of 2000 but now after some time i hope that this country and all of us come to the acceptance stage and realize this is here to stay and that we need to modify our behavior forever maybe maybe we need to live in a very different world where masking is the norm now it could be that in few years with vaccines and everything it goes away it dies and i'm more than happy to be proven wrong but that's not going to happen this year it's not going to happen next year so we have to get used to a life where we have to live with masks even after vaccination even after vaccination and again if if everybody in india could be vaccinated within the next few months maybe i don't know if the world could but as long as the virus as long as the world is not vaccinated which it won't be for many years and as long as the virus has the ability to mutate it will break through any vaccine you can have a booster and it'll break through that too this is the property of a virus this is what enables them to sustain this is this is their robustness this is their resilience and we cannot as a country and as a people deny the fact that covid is here to stay so which means we have to make that investment in an oxygen network we have to make an investment in good data we have to make an investment in a supply chain and in a logistics chain that allow for critical supplies to reach places when they need it because it is it is not going to be feasible for every state to have that kind of extra capacity for covid because there's never going to be enough when a spike happens even if we even once we get this under control there will be spikes like this in the future and when those spikes happen nobody knows where that spike is going to turn where the gradient is going to go down so there's never going to be enough capacity on the part of states to be able to handle this so that means that resources will have to be moved and moved fast in order to handle something like covid and this government like whether it be centered and the state and the people have to reconcile themselves to the fact that investments will have to be made because if it's not made and if once this thing goes away we go again back to thinking oh well that was bad but now i'm alive and that passed us so now we can go on and do exactly what we were doing well if that has happened then all i can say is none of what we are just going through all of it rather would have been in vain so um thanks a lot for listening everybody stay well um one last thing i i had put up a link on my twitter for people who want to contribute to setting up um oxygen oxygen generating devices in in india 
So uh, please do consider contributing. I contributed and I would really appreciate that, you know, the listeners, whoever, whatever you want to contribute to this, because again, as I said, this is not going away anytime soon. And we are all, we all have to do our bit. This is, again, it's a, it, it's a war situation. And we cannot expect the government or the hospitals to just handle this alone. It's just too big a thing for the system to handle by itself. So again, everybody stay safe, wear a mask, get vaccinated as soon as you can. And um, and so that's all I can say. I I know these are tough times, but uh, we'll get through it. We'll get through it. Good night.